0: Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Great weekend for Chelsea. Obviously, a great weekend for Chelsea fans as well. Um, if you guys didn't notice already we did record our last two pods under our new name the blues on parade podcast So this is actually the first time that we have uh, The full cast here to join us. So I am pleased to introduce my trusty co-host as always I'll start with you first Psalm since you missed last week how Have you been man and also how is the new song?
1: new song what's changed?
0: the name homie
1: Oh, oh, the name of our podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't changed. I'm still the same. Um, but, I mean, I, I listened to the last two episodes you guys recorded. You talked about the name change, the logo, everything. You didn't mention anything about our new intro and how sick it is. Fuck the uh,
0: copyright law, baby.
1: Yeah, DMCA can, can send <laughs> us. But, uh, we have a lawyer. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, as your lawyer... Uh, I can definitely say what, what we're doing is violating copyright law, but also Allegedly. as your lawyer, I don't care. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> all press is good press, baby. If they if, if they if they come after us, all that means is we're big enough to be like come come after for someone to come after. So that's 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 our litmus test right there to see whether we're a uh, a real legit podcast or not. But I uh yeah, I kinda ducked um last week. It did not want to talk about <laughs> the last two matches uh at all. So uh this is this is the perfect week to come back. Thank God we are I mean we have this six nil win. It was just it was waiting to happen. Like I I, I honestly was hoping that it would happen, thinking that maybe we would still fall like be under this lull of just playing like shit, but thank God we didn't. Um Andreas, how are you feeling?
2: I feel great, man. I feel fantastic. We came back. We were back in our what what would you say that not a high horse, but just bounce back, on back up. Yeah, we just we just bounce back, and that's exactly what we needed. It it the way we did it was awesome. Six nil does not say enough about how good the performance was. So yeah, I'm feeling good. I mean,
1: like the last couple of days, I had or the, sorry after the last two matches, I had my friends who are Arsenal fans who are United fans, absolutely clown me so hard for the Real Madrid loss and uh the it was Brentford loss and thank the Lord like there there definitely is a God out there because he blessed us with not only a Chelsea 6-0 win but also a loss (laughs) for Arsenal and United against two other crummy teams so thank you thank you to Jesus thank you to Allah anyone who's up there thank you um <laughs> and Andres, you uh, you finally hit your parlay, didn't you?
2: Yes, sir. We we got Recap. it. We got it down. I, I I went ballsy based on like you said the Brentford and Madrid match. I asked for the three points. That one was the the least ballsy probably. I asked for a clean sheet, which after giving up eleven goals in two matches is a little bit again not something that you can calmly say. And then two goal scorers, at least, and we had, what, four? Alonzo, Werner, yeah. Mount, and uh, Kai. And yeah, Kai. Four. Yeah. So, oh, and Zach, to add a bonus, said that Mount would score. So, yes, sir. Right. That, you guys that, are betting. probably in... like
1: a plus 500 parlay right there
2: if you guys are betting people just remember five percent comes back to the blues on parade podcast we have Mm -hmm. we all have that mo you (laughs) guys fight our copyright lawsuit
1: (laughs) yeah don't write the check to roman's (laughs) empire pod because that that check will bounce write it to blues on Parade. (laughs) frozen
2: assets frozen assets exactly
1: yep (laughs) frozen assets we're currently under investigation by the uk government so um yeah let's do let's do bitcoin okay untraceable um, all right, let's talk about this matchup. Uh, we uh, switched it up a little bit. We switched up the shape. Went with a 3 4 1 2. Mendy trusted it in goal after giving up seven goals in the last two matches. Uh, looks like that decision paid off. Christensen, Thiago Silver, and Rudiger in the back. Uh, RLC playing right wing back. Marcos Alonso as the left wing back. Then Conte and Kovacic, Mason Mount as the 10 and Kai Havertz and Timo Werner the German duo as our striker pairing um, so what, what, let's just jump right in we got a question from the Dork Knight at Black Emoji he said what was so different today compared to the last two games where has this Chelsea been hiding Zach I'll start off with you what, what was different
0: um, well, we can start off with what Tuchel said post-Real, where he was just frustrated about the effort, the lack of closing down um, team unity in terms of our defensive shape and our pressing and our counter-pressing. Um, so that was the main difference right from the off. We were winning the ball in their, you know, defensive third and creating chances and quality chances at that. And the key difference between this match and pretty much every other match we played this season, barring our, you know, two four-nils in the Champions League and the Norwich game, was... We scored goals. We actually put our chances away. Um, I know Timo uh, probably could have had a hat trick in this one. To be fair, he could have probably had four goals. He hit the post twice in the first. Yeah, give him five. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he hit the post, what, three times? Yeah, he hit both both posts
2: posts, and the crossbar. Both
0: posts and the crossbar. I mean, he had a hat trick of almost goals. Um, (laughs) It was a a perfect post trick it was it it was just the right attitude all the way around and there was indications of it um early on when you know i mentioned in the real uh in the real pod um that you guys should check out because that's where actually where we give our preview so make sure you look at that episode um but look the uh the whole the whole thing with you know us not finishing our chances and you know, our just our overall team attitude that was quickly changed by the social media posts by a bunch of the players. I called it out and said, "Look, um, we are going to uh, we are going to come out hot," just based on the players' reactions via social media. So it was good that we it was good that we saw that. I think, and to be honest, I don't expect um, I don't expect anything less through the end of the season. I I hope the players take this on as a catalyst for you know just carrying on our momentum you know through the second mm-hmm. leg. Uh, And going through the
1: team stats real quick. We had 71% possession, 4.4 expected goals, nine big chances created, 24 shots, including 18 inside the box, 662 passes. Is that real? An 89% pass accuracy, Andreas? uh,
2: I can't say I counted them, but I looked it up (laughs) online. That's real. (laughs) Usually you are the
1: one who, uh, who, who does count these... These, like,
2: nuanced (laughs) things.
1: I don't know. You're, like, hyper-focused on that kind of stuff. But what do you think was the main reason for the sudden performance out of these four options? Do you think it was a a Madrid wake-up call, the formation, the work rate, or the player selection?
2: Uh, I think it starts with the work rate. Zach alluded to Tuchel's sort of rally cry. I think that's a big one. Uh, the the other part is I think the formation with the players chosen because it could have gone totally different is is probably what allowed us to have a, a quicker pace of play. Uh, you know, we've been very frustrated with how long it takes us to move the ball 10 yards up the pitch. And I believe the first goal, you know, we're still doing the same thing. We're recycling possession and doing all that, but it's in a quicker Kind of in a quicker fashion the first goal went from Alonso to rudiger to tiago to christensen to rlc who crossed it back into mount who tapped it out to Alonso. so you would think that that would take that in a usual game that takes us eight minutes to get done <laughs> like obviously i'm exaggerating but the way we moved the ball from one end of the pitch back to the other end of the pitch forward and across happened far sooner than anything we've seen recently And that became sort of the theme for this match. We were getting the ball from the back line all the way, mostly through Mason Mount, uh, fairly quickly. And I think the midfield duo of Kovacic and Conte really helped out in that. You know, if they had to release pressure, we had RLC and Alonso with tons of space wide, uh, rather than having maybe a, a crowded, wide space of a winger plus wing back occupying the same space so i think formation plus the players chosen uh was a good sort of uh partner to the fact that the work rate was was way higher than we've seen probably in the past couple of weeks
1: mm-hmm. and i don't know what to attribute that the lack of work rate in the last two matches uh and, you know maybe coming off of international break you know the the absolute chaos going on with the ownership fiasco. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much blame you want to put on Tuchel for not getting the players motivated. I feel like that has not been an issue for him in the past. Maybe it was these past two games and he was able to get to them finally today or yesterday, but thank God they they woke up for this match because they needed a wake-up call. Let's talk about Timo Werner because we need to talk about Timo Werner after to, after that uh, after that um, performance he had I I think the episode where it was just me and Andreas recording and Zach wasn't there I think I officially wrote him off and said he's done and that I would never We both did. See. Yeah. <laughs> you guys like would be the first. Yeah. And thank God Timo listened to that episode because he wanted to prove us wrong. Clearly, two goals, eight shots, and as as Zach mentioned earlier, he had a perfect frame frame trick by hitting both he posts. He hit for the cycle. Yeah, the he cycle. Did. There you go. Both <laughs> posts and the crossbar. Uh, a key pass, two times. Was only dispossessed two times. I gotta I gotta say sorry. I gotta say sorry to Timo, because he really showed up. I think like, the the connection with him, Kai, Mason Mount, and Kovacic was
2: really, really nice.
1: Andreas, why did why did you think Timo found so much success in this match?
2: Well, if you think that I'm about to say that Timo has turned a page and this is what we're going to see moving forward, you are very mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out why. Why is it that Timo Werner played so good? And it finally dawned on me. Ralph Hasenhutl has Southampton set up like a Bundesliga side. That is the one reason Timo Werner looked like an absolute maniac out there. Sure, he, he missed f- some chances, but the chances he was creating and the shots he was taking, I feel like looked a lot like what we thought we signed two seasons ago. Timo looked confident. He looked like he was in space. Uh, he was very decisive, surprisingly, on the Mm. ball. I'm thinking specifically, I believe it was the goal that ended up being Kai's, where he actually dribbled himself into the box, had a fake shot, and ended up hitting the post.
1: That was nice.
2: Like, we've never seen that from Timo, but looking a little deeper, Timo always scores on Southampton. Always. And it goes back to the fact that Ralph Hasenhutl has them set up this way do they have the fastest center backs to be running a full field press? No. If if it gets disorganized, who's going to benefit the most, the fastest striker on the pitch. And I mean, the confidence in in Timo grew a lot, which again, I can attribute that probably happens the same way in the Bundesliga. He hit the both posts in the crossbar before scoring a goal, but he was getting his chances. And, and to get that sort of high level output, he's not going to get that ever again. It's, it was a slightly foolish and it sometimes happens to them. I take it back. It happens to them at least once a season where Southampton gets pummeled. We we didn't score nine on them or seven on them like the last two seasons have happened for them. But mm-hmm. don't I don't want fans and, and people to to just jump on the Timo train again and and ask for Timo to start against Madrid because that is completely uh short term and 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 kind of just not looking at the bigger picture here timo had a great game i'm very happy he had a great game if anything if i'm a bundesliga sporting director i'm i'm slobbering at the idea of bringing timo back to the bundesliga but and he, he
1: and has and noodle was his his manager at uh at leipzig
0: right for a little rollout. while yeah yeah so he would have been fired up for it regardless yeah I, I, I think the I think the match sort of played into his favor, too, um, in two ways. One, Andres, you alluded to it. Southampton center backs aren't very fast, so it doesn't necessarily suit them to play that, you know, Bundesliga high-pressing style, but they're also not very good on the ball. So Lisa, so Lisa gave it up a bunch of times, and I think I think Timo utilized, our, and I said it last pod, I think this is his biggest strength, is his pressing and his work rate off the ball, right? Defensively, we never questioned his commitment you know, to the team cause. So I know he dispossessed Saliso a few times and created his own chances that way, or, you know, laid it off and boom, all of a sudden we're in the attack again. But another thing that was a big advantage of him, and maybe this is a good transition into it, I think was a quickness of play with the midfield. So you had Kovacic and Mount, um, you know, basically uh, progressing the ball immediately. The second they get the ball, their first their first thing that they do is pick their head up and look straight. They want that ball to go forward more than anything. Um, whereas in the past, you know, we do see Jorginho oftentimes slow down the game and like to control the game. This one, it we were in control the entire time, but we were also playing quickly, and that did fall right into Timo's hands. He was playing off the back shoulders of the center backs. Whenever they would press up the pitch in their possession and we'd win the ball off of them, Timo was in behind almost every single time. And to his credit, even though he sucks at finishing, he always makes the correct runs. He gets the opportunities. For, he creates the opportunities for himself. So the in terms of his IQ and his intelligence off the ball and making those runs, it's all there. And I think you know this match was just a result of it sort of clicking for him. We were finding those runs a lot quicker and a lot uh, having Mason Mount playing the ten, um, which Tuchel confirmed in a post-match presser. That just had. Everything to do with it, because now Timo doesn't have to necessarily worry about linking up the play between the midfield and the front three, which is what the front three does in a 3-4-3. Three, three. All those guys sort of take turns doing that, whereas Mount was the one solely responsible for it. And the nice thing with having him and Kai up there is Kai likes to drift wide just like Timo does at times. And the balance there was on point, because with when one of them would drift wide, particularly Kai, we saw that more so in this game. Timo was the one that stayed central. Kai would drift out and Timo would make sure that he'd stay in his position centrally to always be an option for Kai. And um I just think that was that, that was huge for him. This is a big confidence booster for Timo. And like you said, I'm not going to go and say he needs to start against Real because if you're going to say he he should start against Real, then he he needs to start every other game for the rest of the season if that's the case. And I don't want him doing that. Mm-hmm. I think he could be a huge impact player for us. We are going to come out against Real, you know, with a pressing game on the front foot, try and get an early goal, and if the game is open in the last fifteen or twenty minutes and we need a goal, Timo has the confidence now in you know in in terms of he could come into that game and maybe have an impact. There is doubts about Lukaku you know being available for that match, so Timo is going to be the striker coming off the bench if that's the case, and this is a good position to have him in. I mean, I think he's in his best moment of the season, which really isn't saying much. But, I mean, coming off a two-goal performance where he was arguably the man of the match for us, clearly our best player across the 90 minutes, I'm not going to say he's going to score against Real, but I do feel a little bit more confident about him coming off the bench and maybe being an impact player if we need it. I think what you said, Zach,
1: about um, what what Kovacic and Mason Mount did, and, and even the Kai Havertz part, I think that's where Tuchel got it spot on with his player selection and the formation, and I think moving forward, if we see if if we see Timo Werner back in the starting lineup, it's going to be with those players in this formation, because otherwise, we're getting no use out of him at all, and if we're going to play him, we need him to score, so. Yeah. I think that's... He always
0: played with a strike partner at Leipzig too, like a yeah. like a bigger target man also, that you know, yeah. good on I mean, the wall, link up play. We've been talking about that for for two years, yeah, like hoping
1: that would happen. So it's nice to see that, uh, and we thought Kai Havertz could be that that striking partner as well. And look, look what's happening! Maybe two years maybe later,
0: we finally get evidence.
1: Yeah, but. <laughs> I think I think it is worth talking about Kai Havertz a little bit too. Um he did have the goal, but Andreas what what Zach said about their their fluidity together, their chemistry, them them playing, um, you know, knowing when to drift wide, when to stay central. What did you see from Kai Havertz this match?
2: I mean Kai Havertz is just oozing confidence in terms of his Premier League performances, I think. I mentioned, I think now it's been two months, maybe pushing three. There was an interview that came out where he's now calling himself a striker. And and we hadn't seen that from him in the past year and a half. Even when we won the Champions League, he was like, I, I really don't know what position I play. Like the guy is, is confident. He they, they showed it in the match. He has five goals and an assist in his last five Premier League matches, which is great output, like I don't think I don't remember the last time we had that sort of output from a, a striker or somebody playing in the striker position outside of Diego Costa. So for me, I think Kai being sort of a a striker or, or a midfielder who can play the role of striker is, is extremely useful for this team. Uh, in terms of how he connected with Timo specifically, they they understand each other. In the, they play together in Germany as well, and, and most of Timo's better matches have Kai alongside him. Um, I think that really plays a, a big factor. I think Timo also assisted Kai in the Champions League, or vice versa. They combined really well in one of Timo's one of the other's better goals this campaign. So to me, it's just Kai understands what Timo needs of him, and and if Timo's confident, Kai is gonna be one of those guys that's actually gonna trust in him to to kind of continue pushing forward.
0: Kai Kai's one of those guys that we always talked about where, you know, statistically it hasn't really shown. Um, you know, he really hasn't paid his transfer value in terms of stats, but in terms of important goals, important performances in big matches, I mean, that that's a completely different argument. But now, like you guys said, he's starting to put the stats together. And the body of work is really starting to show on paper, which is something I know we've all been crying for. But I find it interesting. We always criticized him before of, you know, I guess it's sort of a result of his playing style, maybe the way he just runs and carries the ball or just carries himself in general. But it does look lackadaisical at times. Right. And he has been criticized for for that before. And we're not seeing that um, as of late. The last two or three months, like you alluded to, Andres, it's been he has been this fuck you, I'm going to get mine. Sort of player. And you have to have that sort of selfishness if you are going to be a striker and lead the line for Chelsea. So it's great that he's considering himself now, okay, I'm that dude. It's not a matter of, all right, I'm just going to kind of fill in and help the team where they need me. No, I'm going to be the team striker and I'm going to score goals for them and I'm going to put in big performances for them. But his role from game to game sort of changes too. You know, sometimes he does take on the role of a more traditional number nine where he's looking to get in behind or, you know, play off of one of the center backs that's a little bit smaller than him and, you know, win headers in the box and make himself available for crosses and things like that. But other times he finds himself dropping in and being sort of a a false nine, for lack of a better word, but sort of dropping into the number 10 spot and being a facilitator. In this game, we saw him drift wide way more than he normally does. And, you know, that's also something that's up his arsenal as well. So in terms of him being confident, that's one thing. Now he's putting the goals together. That's another thing. But now you add his actual natural talent, his ability to play five or six different roles in the same position, essentially, it's just – it's ridiculous. You know, take players one-on-one. He could body fools. He could shoot from distance. He's great in the air. He's ice cold
2: in front of goal
0: in big matches and, for
2: us. And he can double roulette two South Hanson midfielders casually.
0: Disgusting. Filthy. I mean, he is – yeah, I, I I don't think we've had a player uh, of his caliber in this type of form since since Hazard was here. I'm that's just like, gonna kind of go out that's of like, and say that. That's like a skill I accidentally do in FIFA,
1: trying to do other moves, and I accidentally <laughs> do the double roulette. <laughs> he did it in real life on purpose.
2: Twice, twice, back to back. Yeah, it was dirty.
1: Uh, all right, RLC surprising start at right wing back. RWC. Yeah, are we doing that? Or R... I don't know. RWLCB? <laughs> no, that oh, was for yeah. most center
0: back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't we'll know. Think,
1: yeah, we'll, we'll think about that one. 17-letter
0: um, acronym. Yeah. Right wing back RLC.
1: <laughs> 39 passes, 87% completion, one key pass, which should have been an assist, 73 touches, two out of two tackles, one, nine clearances, five out of seven aerial duels, one, we actually got a question. Uh, this one comes from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. He asked, "With RLC playing right wing back and literally being put out in so many different spots, what do you think should be the place we actually play him at?" Andreas, <laughs> is there? Is there? A, are, we, are we? Is there an R- answer? Uh RLC- I don't know.
2: <laughs> I I think he looks. So far this season and like whenever we see him be chosen for a random position, I think that's the best he's looked. I think he played both right mid and left mid when Palace ran a 4-4-2 when he was on loan there and he was finding a lot of success. I think when Sarri initially brought him back onto the squad, he was playing winger and he was finding success. I think this is a good first step into him getting match speed and confidence necessary to then transition back to the center of the park. I think that he has struggled recently playing in midfield and part of it is pace of like getting used to the pace of the game and and just low confidence, but at right wing back where he's going to be put into a position of a lot of 1v1s, that's something we know that RLC thrives in, you know. He mm-hmm. He's good at taking players on. He is good at going at defenders when he gets kind of his speed going. He can find a pass. Like, that's not something that's new for him. And defensively, I mean, you alluded to it. I think him and Christensen had the highest aerial duels won. So even putting in the shift there, I just think that in this match, having a, a player that can occupy... Either the, their left mid or left back and, and be a threat one on one, which is something that you don't think much when you think of Aspie, who would have been the right wing back, was key to to sort of spreading out their back line and allowing for Kai and Timo to get the sort of space that they did get in front of goal today.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think he's a right wing back uh, long term. <laughs> it, it's clear. I mean, he's a 6'6 been... six,
2: six right wing back.
0: A six six right wing back, yeah. Um no, I mean he's been completely devoid of any confidence the last god knows how long, since the Juve match, pretty much. I think that was his last really good performance for us. So it is important that, you know, he gets, you know, a, a 90 minutes under his boots and 90 minutes, right? He didn't come off. I don't think he did. I can't remember. But whatever it was, I mean it's just good that he got a start and a great performance, not just a good one. I mean he was he wasn't um he didn't look like a player that was filling in at the right wing back role. It looked like he was instructed really well on what he was supposed to do in the game. And he did it to the tee. He hardly made a mistake. Um, like you, Andres, I think eventually he is going to transition back to the midfield. We'll probably see him play in the midfield against Juve, um, I'm guessing. Um, you know,
2: Against, against Juve? Juve,
0: against Real, excuse me. Um, at some point in the game when, you know, whoever starts gets leggy or if, especially if we need to chase the game. But one aspect of his game that was missing completely that we saw at the right wing back position was the ability to take players 1v1 and get up to speed at full sprint. He's a freight train when he sprints at you and no defender wants any part to do with that. Um, so if you get that confidence back in him and defenders start to bounce off of him like they used to, you got a scary player that, you know, again, just like Timo could be coming into the right sort of moment of the season at the right time. Um, so good on him. I'm, I'm really happy that he got a performance under his belt that he can be proud of. I know it's, it hasn't been easy, um, especially with the whole squad around him sort of struggling for form as of late, but you know, it, w- it was definitely the right time for him to put in a performance like this because it's clear w- with our, with our depth in the midfield, we're, we're going to need him again at some point in the season. And um, of course, in the important matches. So, He needs to be as confident as possible for those. All
1: right, let's talk a little bit about Mason Mount. Two goals, the assist, key pass, uh, one key pass, one big chance created, three out of three shots on target, four out of four ground duels won, including one out of one aerial duel. Guys, that assist was so sexy. You know the sound (laughs) I made when he did that? Woo! (laughs) damn man that was so sauce to Marcus Alonso like that was in the first five minutes of the game I was like so sick we're 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 here we're ready Mason Mount is back um but we we got a question about him
2: is Uh, it about his haircut
1: no thank god proper Um...
0: English haircut (laughs) He went
1: with the he went
2: with the, the short football. hair. He went with the Foden the Foden cut.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. He's, hey, anything to
1: get him playing at Foden's level, I'll take it. Uh, this one is from another one from Black Emoji. He said, "We need to have a conversation about Mounts' up and down season." Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Zach, do you do you agree with his his uh his idea that Mounts had a up and down season this year?
0: I think uh, I think for any player, getting 18 direct goal contributions in 26 league matches would be considered anything but an up-and-down season. <laughs> uh, that's a successful season as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, he has eight goal contributions in his last seven Chelsea appearances, so it's kind of hard to see where the up-and-down is. Yes, his form dipped at times, when, it, but it did coincide with the team's form. Um, you know, he also had COVID. He had that weird injury issue where he had a toothache or something along those lines that kept him out. And apparently, you know, he lost he lost weight from it and had to sort of battle his way back to fitness. But look, in terms of production, he's ahead of the curve. I mean, he already surpassed his stats from last season. So if we're considering last season a good season for Mason Mount, just for context, he only had 11 goal contributions, six goals and five assists and 32 appearances. He already surpassed that in what, six less appearances, he already has seven more goal contributions in that time span. So it's totally unfair to criticize him across the entire season's body of work because he's only getting better every time he plays and every season he plays for us. But yeah, I mean, you could criticize him for those specific matches. Everybody has those. But like I said earlier, all those matches where he was, no, I wouldn't say all of them, but most of the matches where he struggled, the team struggled so i don't think it was a result of you know mason mount sucking and it being the reason why we lost those games so i don't think he could be scapegoated in any way shape or form for the team's downturn in performance this season it it's it's just ridiculous so yeah i mean you guys know my Mason Mount bias. I think he's a future captain leader legend. And you know, the statistics that he's putting up this season are just further proving that he should be, you know, the future captain of Chelsea once the old guard leaves. It's, it's kind of crazy to say he had an up and down season. I love black emoji. It's all love, man, but I got to disagree with you on this one. I think, I think he's been really good for us. And again, just like we talked about ROC and Werner, the Mount wasn't a guy that was necessarily struggling for the numbers or the form or a starting position, but you know, he's starting to come into peak form as well this time. So I guess you could kind of put him up there with Kai in terms of just oozing confidence heading into the Real match.
1: But you could say that he's been inconsistent this year. I think that's what he meant by up and down season. Overall, as a whole, I would say he had a good season or he's been having a good season so far. But I think it's very fair to say that he's been a little inconsistent. You know, but, but, has but had again,
0: stretches does that not coincide with the way the team is playing around him too yeah but
1: i mean like he's he's such an important player if he doesn't play well we don't play well it's like what's what's the cause what's what's the real cause is it chelsea playing bad so he plays bad or he plays bad so chelsea plays bad
0: so it sounds like he's a victim of his own success Huh? I don't think that's what I said, but sure. Yeah, a, <laughs> well No, that's because that's he's been so good to for to us in the that. past that when he has one bad game, we're like, oh shit, he sucks. No. Like he's been... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying no one's saying he sucks,
1: but he has had up and down. He hasn't had an up and down season where he's. He's, he's had bad performances. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's sure. Fair. That's fair. I know, but but were those not bad team performances? That's what I'm saying. It's not really? it, listen, listen. It's not like the it's not like the Lukaku argument where the team around him is playing well and the guy just can't hit a, a cow's ass with a banjo or what, however the saying goes. But like <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I this Chidge says that one. I I picked that one up off of him. It's awesome. But I just I just don't know. Like it's not an up and down season. He's had bad performances, but this isn't an up and down season, guys. It's not like he has five bad games and five good ones. He has He's had, yeah. He's been really good across the whole season. Like, he has the yeah. highest match rating, average match rating in the league this season for us. Second to Ben Chilwell, who only played six games. So
1: yeah, up and totally. down. Foot, he's been our best player this season for sure. And I'd say yeah. out of, he has four good matches, one bad, one bad match for every four good matches. So yeah, that's, that's
0: fair. That's, I guess that's a, fair. That's a good ratio to have. It's all a black emoji. Um.
1: All right, let's go through a couple more questions. This one's from another one from Ron. He said, "Is this the catalyst to get us back to where we were and on to the promised land?" Hashtag BOP Ultras. That's Ooh. our new our new hashtag. Um, and the promised land. Is he talking about Premier League title chase? It's still on, <laughs> boys. Liverpool and City drew today. They draw points. We're we're slowly inching our way back. We got a game in hand on them. We'll see. Yeah, well, what happens? <laughs> or is he talking oh. about Champions League? I think that might be a more
0: reasonable thing. Or,
2: or just another trophy in general. Oh we're yeah, good we have FA Cup too.
0: Gotta get one more.
2: I think I think he just means form in general, right? Because we started April like a freaking dumpster full of shit on fire. So the fact that coming off of back-to-back losses where we conceded so much, we make up that sort of deficit with a six-goal win. Yeah, I think this could be the catalyst. I think, let's say we go in and we beat Madrid uh, midweek. Maybe not by enough goals, but the differential gets us eliminated. I still think that that's going to continue to carry over. Throughout the rest of the season, just uh, this past week when we were previewing Southampton, I was saying, well, it is typical Chelsea to rely on other teams to get us across the line when it comes to top four. But I really think that Tuchel will not let these players get their foot off the pedal, even if it gets tough. Like I I really can't see a a lackadaisical performance or or a, a match where tactically we get it so wrong anymore. Uh, especially, like I said, after that post-match presser, and then the way we responded uh, this weekend.
0: Um, I think it is the catalyst. Like I said, I, I hope the team looks at this performance and says, "All right, let's build on this and you know finish the rest of the season as strongly as we can." Um, I do think one more trophy on the cards. I think it would be a disappointment if we didn't snatch, um, you know, the FA Cup knowing that the league, the Premier League is probably out of reach. And right now, um, we are still two goals down in the Champions League going into the second leg away. So that's probably our best shot at it at this point in time. Um, so yeah, I mean, to me, that's the promised land winning the winning the, winning the FA Cup, probably our best chance at getting a trophy this season. But more importantly, I, again, it's just the importance of having such a good performance cannot be understated, especially at this point in the season. So I think Ron is up to something by asking this question, because I do think we are starting to turn a corner here. You know, COVID seems to be behind us, barring Aspie. <laughs> um, but besides that, it, it it does look like, you know, we could go through the rest of the season and finish strongly. It, it It's definitely not out of, you know, arm's reach.
1: All right, let's go to the next question. This one is from Michael Conan, at mconan 1789 Um, He says, taking this season into context, two trophies, maybe three, top four, UCL quarterfinals and possibly more. Have we gotten too negative about our year? If you offered me this season, I would probably take it. Injuries clearly derailed a lot, but all is not lost. Yeah guys, we still have the treble in in hand. Like it's it's it's, it's bound to happen. <laughs> we have two chances is, at getting we have three chances at getting the treble still.
2: This is a Mourinho ass treble.
1: Yeah, it's it's three trophies. A treble means three. I mean That's fair. What, but, uh, yeah, take but like overall what Michael's saying like let's say this is, this is all we have. This is all we get. The season ends today, like or where we're at today. Mm-hmm. You guys happy with I, with everything?
2: I think, I think a, a lot of fans and, and us included, right? We just fell into the trap of what could have been because of the first three months of this season. Whenever we had everybody, we were clicking, we were firing, we were winning, we were dominating. Like, to, to put it into perspective, only three clubs have scored over more over 100 goals in all competitions this season, and it's Liverpool, City, and us. And we're single digits away from City. So, yeah, I, I think because of the early success of this season, when Rhys James and Chilwell were playing every match, when uh, the front three was finally getting... To, to run of games consistently. I, I think we fell in love with that, but in reality, you know, injuries did derail everything. Uh, the Lukaku situation only got worse, which didn't help results either. So oh. if you offer me another trophy and what we have, sure, I'll take it. I also don't think it's, it's awful that we thought, man, we had it. We had the chance of doing these things. Like, the gap to the top two is 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 not correct right now because we we don't get to put out our best. And so I think people are people need to just have a little bit of it, the ability to reflect and, and just kind of look at what the situation has been for Chelsea. And and if we get third comfortably, yeah, I, with all the shit that went down, this is a good season.
0: There's a lot of context <laughs> to yeah,
2: consider. Yeah, for sure. That's the thing. Uh, but, but when you consider it,
0: I mean, for me, I'm going to look at when this team was the healthiest and how we were performing when we were the healthiest. And the answer to that is one of, if not the best side in Europe. So We were
2: easily the best side in Europe. Yeah, uh,
0: defensively by far. And, I mean, we were just firing on all cylinders. I had absolutely 1,000% confidence heading into every single game. For the first month or two, and it wasn't until the injuries hit where our forms started to dip, and then COVID, and then more injuries, and then some more COVID and more injuries, and Lukaku, and I mean
2: it, December, man, December
0: was December. Now that now that then there's a war in Ukraine, all of a sudden that impacts us. Yeah, it, it's a shit show, the and the fact that is the fact that we could call it a shit show and still debate whether or not it's a successful season or not tells you that without the shit show, it's a successful season. I really hope
2: able... Tuchel. I really hope Tuchel never thought he was going to have like a normal year managing Chelsea, like ever.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully next year will be the first of many. But no. Um, no. I, I, I no. look at our best, at our healthiest. I'm very, very happy with the team. So, and credit to them for you know staying competitive this long into the season with everything mounted against them. I mean, it seemed like every single domino that needed to fall against us fell against us, and we still have some way of staying relevant. So credit to everybody that's been involved. It's, it's awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's go on our last question. This one is from Ronnie Ashworth at CFC underscore Ronnie. He said, same again on Tuesday. Six nil away at Real Madrid would be nice. <laughs> Another average day for Timo Werner. Next three games are going to be very interesting for our season. Predictions? Uh, Well, you guys already gave your predictions for the Real Madrid uh, game. Once again, as Zach mentioned, we have a separate episode uh, that we posted last week, which we broke down the first leg and we gave our preview of the second leg. So if you want to hear more, make sure to check that out. But... Since I'm I'm here and I wasn't on the last one, I guess I will say that I don't have much confidence in us in the second leg. am I don't know. Did you guys have did you guys say that too, or were you guys more optimistic than I was?
0: We said it was doable. Du- I mean it was look, it's dual. Of course. Of but course. The odds it's are not over. That it's it's gonna be very, very difficult.
1: They're gonna I mean, you we we saw how Real Madrid played against PSG in the first leg, where they absolutely parked the bus, and the only reason why PSG scored was because they have Kylian Mbappe, and we don't have Kylian Mbappe. We have
2: Timo <laughs> Werner. Well, we, we have, have Kai, Kai Havertz. Havertz.
1: Okay, Kai Havertz. He loves,
2: he loves the Champions League night.
1: He does. He loves the Champions League night. But, um. It's gonna be very tricky. It's it sucks that Dave recently caught COVID. I don't know how that's going to affect the lineup. Have we when was the last time we've seen Chalabino as a center back? Or even play in general? It's been a while, huh?
2: Uh just before the international break. I think So we haven't seen him in April.
0: Struggling for form. He's another one that's made a lot of individual mistakes lately.
1: Like I really think I think that he might be the one to get the call to play, place in our back three. I mean we're going to stick to it. We have to. Um, so, it would. It's I. I'm just so happy I'm I'm not Tuchel cool and have to make that decision. <laughs> I'm really happy I don't have to make that decision. But we'll see. It's hard for me to make a make a, a conscious you know like a real this like prediction without you know sounding like a homer and saying we're going to win or sounding like an asshole and saying we're probably not going to win so i'll just leave but it at that
2: i guess i i just hope we like at least win the match but like if, if it's, it's not them. enough yeah yeah if it's not enough then it's like well, we shot ourselves in the foot Cause that's what the, the first like kind of came down to, right? Just those individual mistakes at the end of the day. So I just want a strong enough performance. But hey, we have we we spent over an hour or, or close to it at least speaking about it. So they can you know if you're listening still, you can go and on your commute back home pop that pod in before the the Tuesday match.
0: Why wouldn't you want to listen to that pod? I mean, you get the headbang for the first ten seconds before you hear our lovely voices. <laughs> um yeah we went really in depth about it so make sure you guys check that out some um do you have anything else to add before uh before we sign off here no andres i think that's not paying attention anyways that i'll take that as a no um yeah so that kind of wraps up just go listen we Yeah, just go listen. That's all we can say. Um, Make sure you guys are keeping your eyes open for um, our next pod. We will be dropping one after the second leg against uh, Real Madrid. Um, So make sure you keep your eyes open for it. Let us know what you think. Also, let us know what you think about the new logo, the new rebrand. We're very proud of ourselves. Um, So until next week, keep the blue flag flying high, everybody.